0: We thought about how that Jesus is in the moving of Babylon, how he was simply trying to get Daniel and the three Hebrew children to where he was. And certainly he has to make moves in our lives to bring us to where he is. We may not like the moves. A lot of times we all get real spiritual. Boy, we say we want to go meet the Lord tonight. Well, do you want to go where he's at? Uh, it may mean that you've got to go down into the den of lions. Would it be all right if he invited you into the fiery furnace and said, I just, I'll be with you, but we're going to have some fellowship in the furnace. We don't like that much. We don't, Matter of fact, we don't even think that's spiritual. We, uh, we just don't have any idea that he'd be in places like that, but he, he moves us to the places where he can get our attention, full attention, and cut off the clamor and the, and the, and the uh, static of this old world. And he's in the mystery of Babylon. Uh, the things that the world can't figure out. Really, if you get to looking at them just right, uh, if it's a real mystery, a divine mystery, you're always going to see Jesus in that. He, he's going he's to show up in the, in the mysteries that many times can't be understood. Uh, I was thinking about how the Lord many times confounds the wise and the mighty and as he said in 1 Corinthians. I remember uh several years ago, uh my wife's sister, sister Anne, your pastor knows her, knew her husband uh who's passed away. In a way she has a son and and he's born down syndrome. He had went to the doctor just for a physical to uh go into this home to where they trained them to be able to take care of themselves once the parents are gone and uh, so in that simple little physical the doctor sent a notice back to sister ann his mother and said uh, one side of his heart is enlarged greatly enough so we're alarmed about it you need to take him and have him tested This was just a a general physician. So she took him to a doctor in our area, and he examined him, did some tests, and he told her, he said, I confirmed what that doctor has said. His heart is enlarged. I I don't know why. And so you need to take him to the medical center over in Asheville and get several of the uh, expert doctors and surgeons to really do a bunch of tests. They're going to have to just uh, study him thoroughly. And so they did. They took him to Asheville, and uh, the specialist went over him for, I don't know, it was a period of several weeks that they did all kinds of different tests, and even going up into his heart and the x-rays and all those things, whatever it was involved and in. So I was there the day that uh, they they got all of their uh, information together, the results of all their tests, and the main surgeon and the main heart doctor made an appointment for her to show up, her husband, and I went with him, and so we sat down, and he had the uh, x-rays, and he had all of the uh, information, and he said the problem with Timothy is he has a hole in one side of his heart the size of a half a dollar. And it's not circulating the blood just right. So the other half of the heart is having to overwork. And in doing so, it has caused it to to swell and, and of course, to enlarge. And, and he took the x-ray or whatever it was, and he actually took his pen. He went like that over the hole. He said, right there is the hole. You can see it was. It was You could tell it there. And these are men that had studied him for uh, several weeks. And they said, we're not going to tell you that he's going to collapse tomorrow. But they said, this hole needs to be closed up and it needs to be done soon so they set up the surgery for uh, a, a Monday morning a, a week from that time and so we all went to the hospital I got up early that morning we all met over there about six o'clock and the doctor came in of course they t- uh, took Timothy and they prepped him was doing what all need to be done there and they said uh, they, they gave us the rundown. We had a little room by ourselves and said what will happen is we'll take Timothy in. We should have him ready for surgery. We won't really begin the surgery. Actually, the cutting till about a 9, 9.30 and said every two hours after that, we'll send out and let you know how the surgery is going. So about 9.30 that morning, they were supposed to start the surgery right along that time, the surgeon shows up in the little room with his cap on and his gown, and he looks as white as a, a sheet, as a piece of paper, and he begins out stuttering, and he said now, uh, uh, and, and he called the lady's name, Tim's uh, mother, Miss Duckworth. He said, now, I don't want you all to be alarmed. He said, uh, I, I've got something I'm, I'm going to have to try to explain to you. He said, I know what all the tests said, and I know what we've showed you and, and he, he said now Timothy's fine don't worry he, he's alright uh, but he said I just don't know how to I don't know how to tell you this and I could just tell he was just all out of sorts and he was just fumbling around, mumbling around. we're waiting we're thinking you know what has happened and he said well he, he said we had Timothy prepped, we had him shaved, we had the, the shunt were in him and said, uh, now this is a doctor that did not profess to know the Lord either doctor. And he said, I had my knife, my blade. I, I was inches from starting to cut him and he said, I don't know what you would call it. He said, but a, a still small voice said to me, don't cut, do one more test. Now this is the surgeon. I'm quoting him verbatim. If she was here in the family they'd testified to it. And he said, not only did I have that impression, but he said the, the physician, his heart doctor, had the impression, both of them. And he said, I did not cut. And he said, I, I did one more test on Timothy. And he said, I don't understand. He said, I don't think the hole could have closed up that quick. But he said, as far as I can tell, there's no hole. He said, I don't know what's happened. And I think the reason he was studying he was afraid he was going to be sued because all those tests and all that he said and all that preparation and all the trauma. But Sister Ann, she just looked up and she said, I know what happened. Yeah. And uh, so and the and the regular physician came in, the heart doctor, and he he went through the same thing. They Maybe just bum <laughs> So the heart doctor, he said to us, sitting and said, "I'll tell you what we're going to do." He said uh, about two thirty, we're going to take Timothy and said we're going to do one final test. And They'd already done test after test. said, so we're going to do one and said so we're going to come and tell you what, what, where he's at, what the problem is, and everything. And so I guess it was about four thirty. He, we were out in the waiting room now. Walks up and he throws his hands up in there. He said, I, "We can't find a thing wrong with him." <laughs> said his heart's not swollen. There, there is nothing wrong," he said. As a matter of fact, when he gets off of this sleeping medicine, we got him on where well, we put him under. He said, "You take him home," you, and of course that's been how many years ago they brought him home. And of course he, in his own little way, he'll say, "The Lord healed me, healed my heart." And if I've ever witnessed, and I've witnessed several, but if I've ever really witnessed it, I, I, and somebody said, well, maybe there wasn't a whole Well, they said there was. I saw it. I mean, they had it on the. And I don't. Umpteen doctors said his heart was swollen. But you know what the great miracle to me was is how he came that far from cutting him yes, and said, the way he said, he said, I don't know how you phrase it, but he said, a, a still small voice. He <laughs> said, Doc, that's God. <laughs> <laughs> that's God. I don't know, he's still probably confused about the matter, but we never was confused. I'm talking about the mysteries of Babylon. I'm glad the Lord can take us to Jesus, aren't you? But here in Daniel chapter number 3, I want us to look at what I call the methods of Babylon, or how this world operates. Did you know that you don't have to be in a Christian environment to see the Lord? you really don't if you don't believe me you, you look back back at where the Lord shows up in Daniel's life first, uh, for the first time verse 9 of chapter 1 now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs the Lord showed up for Daniel right there in the midst of Babylon in verse number 9 through an old pagan the Lord might want to help you through an old sinner if you could just recognize him. (laughs) As an old pagan, he didn't know nothing about God. I can hear old Daniel saying, boys, if I ain't mistaken, God's uh, helping me through that captain of the eunuchs. I mean, I believe I've got some favor in it. Same thing with Joseph. He's in the land of Egypt and, right. and said that he gained favor in the eyes of Potiphar and he gained favor in the captain of the uh, uh, of the prison. Joseph saw the Lord throughout the whole ordeal. He said you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Amen. Now, I realize we're living in this world, we're living in a, a, a hellish day, a hellish society. I realize it ain't getting no better, but honey, if you quit looking for the devil behind every bush, yeah. Yeah. and I know he's directly or indirectly caught up in all of this mess, But he likes the attention. He likes for you to talk about him. the devil does. Boy, devil's giving me a hard time today. Devil's been working on me. Devil's, devil's, devil's. We talked half as much about the Lord as we did the devil. If you quit looking to the negative, and I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking. This is real. The Lord moved on the heart of that that old pagan Babylonian to be a blessing unto... That old drinking, cussing neighbor of yours, the Lord might be used to use him one day to come over and be a blessing to you if you just look. I mean, if you just get to looking, he liable to show up in the hound dog. I say that respectfully. He might want to bless you in some way. <laughs> if you just get to, but we're looking to everything else. And tonight, if you're just confined to this old church looking for Jesus, you're going to miss him 99% of the time. He may want to show up, and do something for you somewhere else. He's able to do something. I got a preacher friend who's an evangelist, been in evangelism. God's used mightily for 10, 12 years, I don't know how many. He pastored for 20 some years and. One of the men in the church got crossways with him and got to undermining him, undercutting him, and talking to others and everything. And, and finally he said, uh, he, at the same time, he said, that fellow didn't know it, but the Lord was working on me as far as this thing of evangelism, and it's evident God has used him mightily in that area. But that man was a great tool in pushing him out. Sure. And I asked him one day, I said, well, how do you feel about that man? he said, I want to hug his neck every time I see him. Sure. Said God used him to get me where I needed to be. Isn't that amazing? Now I want you. I want to read these verses, and I'm going to preach on Jesus being seen in the methods of Babylon. Look in chapter three, verse number one. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits. The breadth thereof was six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. That's somewhere around 90 feet high and uh, nine foot wide. And then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent together, together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs and all the rulers of the province. <laughs> Sounds like a Sunday morning dedication of the first Baptist church, mm-hmm. don't it? <laughs> to come and dedicate the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, and so on, they gathered together until the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And then a herald cried aloud to you: "It is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music." You fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Therefore at that time when all the people heard the sound and it gives the names of the uh, instruments again, they fell down and worshiped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, has made a decree that every man that shall hear and he gives the names of the instruments again shall fall down and worship the golden image and whoso falleth not down and worshipeth that he should be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image that thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image that I have set up? Now if you be ready at what time you hear the sound and he gives the instruments, ye fall down and worship the image that I've made well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning fire of the furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto the king, O oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Some things don't have to be prayed about. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image that thou hast Set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. He commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. These men were bound in their coats, their hose, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, the furnace, exceeding hot, the flame of the fire, slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished. He rose up in haste and spake unto his counselors, and did we not cast three men bound to the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they had no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like unto the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth, come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth out of the midst of the the fire. (laughs) He doesn't give all those adjectives on that, burning fiery furnace. It's kind of changed a little bit. And the princes, governors, and counselors, and captains, and so on, being gathered together, saw these men upon whose body the fire had no power, nor was the hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed upon them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel, delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word, and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, language would speak anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill. Because there is no other god that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Did I tell you Jesus is in the methods of Babylon? Now I want you to know as we read this text and understand, even until this day, that this world has a planned agenda. There is a mastermind behind it all, which includes a prevailing spirit and a following of the prince and the power of this world. The devil is the god of this world. Deception is the goal of this world. Demonic spirits govern this world. Whether we talk of materialistically, spiritually, educationally, religiously, governmentally, this world is constantly using its resources to methodically condition us to do one thing, and that is to reject the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You see, Nebuchadnezzar has had a dream as we noticed in chapter number 2 and his dream is about an image that has four kingdoms. It is is the image of a man that is made up in four kingdoms. Daniel has given him the interpretation of that mystery and told him that he was the head but there would follow after him three other kingdoms and then the final kingdom which was the kingdom of, Of the Lord, the King of Kings, the stone cut out of the mountain without hands. Well, it seems as though in chapter number 3 that Nebuchadnezzar has pondered this thing and what he wants to do is he, he wants to stop history from unfolding. So what he does is he goes and he erects an image that is much like the image of his dream. But he is told in the image of his dream that he is the head of gold. So when he makes this image, he does not include the silver and the brass and and the other metals. He makes the whole image of gold. And he brings the whole world and representation to its feet. And what he is saying is, is I, I am not going to submit. I am not going to render, render to the powers that shall come. But, but I am continually going to be the one who is going to rule this world. I forbid to give up my power. Well, it's bad enough that he is rejecting prophecy. He is rejecting the revealed word of God concerning the Medes and Persians and that he is rejecting the revealed word of God concerning uh, the Greeks and he is rejecting the revealed word of God concerning the next kingdom, the Roman Empire. But ultimately what he is doing is he is rejecting and trying to hinder the coming of the final kingdom. And no matter what the kingdoms of this world is or are or what age that you are in or who is in control, they all have one goal and an agenda. Stop the king. They refuse to let him rule. They think they're in their time and to hinder him from ruling in the time that he shall come. This is the agenda of the king or the prince of this old world trying to hinder the coming of the king. But there's some things that I want you to notice as, as he sets up in representation his kingdom, so to speak, worldwide, and, all, and he hopes infinitely in his methods, in his methods of rejecting the stone, in his methods of rejecting the, the final king with his everlasting kingdom. In the methods of this old world, in whatever sort, trying to kick God out of its kingdom and trying to reject Christ from every corner of its dominion. This is what's happening in America methodically. Using judicial systems and governmental systems and so on to methodically, step-by-step, erase any memory, any effect, or any future influence of the gospel or of Christ in our nation. Get him out. But I want you to notice how they do it. They have a method in doing it, and Nebuchadnezzar has a a method in doing it. First of all, look, if you will, in verse number 1. I want you to notice how in the method of the, of the system, that first of all, this old world has been made up. Now there is a difference between that which is made up by man and that which is created by God. In verse 1, the Bible said, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, and he gives us the height of it and tells us where he placed it. It is something that he has fabricated to be worshipped. But I am reminded the Bible said, Except the Lord build the house, they that labor therein labor in vain. Everything that this world orchestrates, everything that this world puts together, everything that this world formulates, it makes no difference what it is, is doomed to total failure. But somehow, the spirit of it will suck society right up in it as if it's an everlasting issue, that it's going to last forever. The fads, the forms, the fashions, the moves, the teachings, the educations, and and the politics. It's almost as if everybody's wrapped up in the moment. Not knowing that by this time next year it may not even be around. It is made up. He has created a figure. He has created an, an image which means to be vain and void and and empty. It reminds me of what Paul said, having a form of kindness, but denying the power thereof. It is a simple imitation of life, but there is no life in it, no power to give life. They can only give up what they have unto it, but it cannot return anything because it is lifeless but it is made up this old world is being made up it is being cast it is being formulated it is being methodically put together for the rejection of christ But can i say to you if if as in verse number one if you can measure your god And the Bible said he's so many cubits high and so many cubits wide. But if you can measure your God, he's the wrong size. Can I say to you, it's made out of gold. If you can melt your God, he's made of the wrong stuff. And if you can move your God, he's of the wrong spirit. Something that is made up need to check our hearts tonight. Have we got something that's man-made? Something that is put together? Something that is formulated? There are so many religious theories and so on in this day and age. But, or do we have something that is created of God, of which we have been born and birthed into? A creation, a new creation. So this old world has a method. It's setting things up. Everything that you look at is being set up. Oftentimes, people will say to me, "Do you think that uh, that what's happening?" And I've heard this for you know, if you're a preacher, people are going to ask you this no matter what, uh, and no matter what happens, they'll say, "You think this is leading up to the Antichrist?" Why, yes, that's not hard to answer. Everything's leading up to the Antichrist. He's working in all of it. He's he's making it all right, putting it together. It's made up. That's his method. But if you'll notice with me throughout this text, so many times, the scripture not only says that he made it up, but he set it up. It is nothing that has its own energy. It has no power in and of itself. I'm afraid of a religion that we've got to keep it going. we got to pump it. we got to prime it. Our form of evangelism has converted so many through natural influence and emotion that we've constantly got to try to flame it, kind of blow on it, see if there's any kind of embers in it, any kind of fire, something to get it going. Because it is is made up, then it's got to be set up. It can't set itself up. It, It has no power and energy to move itself, so somebody's got to set it up. And as a matter of fact, if you go down through the text, it keeps on emphasizing that. This thing's been set up. This whole world's not only been made up by the devil, it's being set up all across the world. Yes, sir. Look at it. Verse number one says the size of it, it said he set it up in the plain of earth. Verse number two said Nebuchadnezzar the king set up. Verse number three said the king set it up. Same verse said he set it up. Verse number 5 said he set it up. All the way through. Verse 7 said he set it up. And verse number uh, 14 said he set it up. Verse number 12 said he set it up. <laughs> Can you tell when something's been set up? Can you recognize when you're being set up? Hmm? And as a matter of fact, the great issue that the three Hebrew children had with it, they said, King, we can't worship anything has been set up. <laughs> if it didn't come down, if it wasn't sent down, if it wasn't a heavenly divine revelation not revealed by flesh and blood, we can't worship it. If it started from down here and had to be set up, it ain't no good. If what you've got has to be set up, you need to let it fall down and get yourself that comes down from heaven. <laughs> set up. I'm glad I don't have to be set up every Sunday morning. Set up. Better watch out. He's liable to fall there. Been set up. Now can we count on you Sunday night? and Set him up. Maybe Wednesday night. Set him up. Most of them you can't set them up for a revival. They won't set up. Hold them right there real tight now. Place him. Get him a good foundation. You got to get, get him. Oh, don't he look good. So good and shiny. Right here in the midst of this big religious service. He's so wonderful. The only problem is he's been set up. A lot of folks in our Baptist church are just set up. Because a lot of the gospel that's being preached is doing no more than setting folks up. It hadn't been that... Life-giving change on the inside. It's been made up. This whole world's been made up. This world don't care what kind of religion you've got. They happy with you if you got your religion. They like for you to have a little more religion, just as long as it's been set up. They don't know. They don't want anything to come down. They want something set up because <laughs> they know what's set up ain't going to hurt nobody. Help nobody either. Been set up. (laughs) Yeah. Set up and told them in verse number 5 when to worship, verse number 6 where, who to worship, verse number 7 how to worship and and verse number 7 where to worship. Been set up. Somebody has to be in control and has to be, somebody's got to give the orders. Uh Somebody's got to have the authority and the impact to, to get this thing set up. I going to tell you something. Since I met the Lord 35 years ago, there ain't nobody had to set me up. They ain't nobody had to give me no energizer batteries to keep me going. No, no, no. They had no way. anybody had to, had to had to bring me to the place to worship God. I've been I've been created anew in Christ Jesus. I've been given the life giving flow of, uh, of the blood of Christ. I've got something in me that lives. Amen. Amen. Yes. Matter of fact, I can't lay it down. I mean, it just won't lay down. It just keeps on operating. This whole world, resurrected power, (laughs) made up. This whole world has been set up. Can you see that as you look around? Set up. And then, if you'll notice with me also, this whole world is being played up. It's being played up. It's trying to get you, first of all, intellectually. It's trying to get to you religiously. And then it'll reach out and try to get you emotionally. Sure will. If you don't believe it, you, you look at, you, you look at how, how impressed folks would be about the gathering at this meeting. It's been played out. It said that in verse 2 and in verse number 3 and in verse number 27, uh, it talks about who all's there, the who's who of that day. Don't we like to brag about that? Well, you know, we had the governor, we had the senator, we had the congressman, we had the mayor, and two devils, and several others (laughs) showed up. Said we had the governors, the princes, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and the rulers of all the provinces showed up. It's been played up by who's following it. The multitudes. It has to be right. Why, did you see who all was there? The greatest minds of the day is out there in the Plain of Dura today worshiping the golden image. Why, everybody's there. The representation of all of society is out there on this... You can hear ABC, NBC, CBS, oh, it's just a wonderful gathering of all minds and of great unity as the world, sounds like something that's going to happen one of these days, comes together and and worships this, this great and wonderful and marvelous thing and the multitude that's there is kind of impressing folks and having an influence on, on who's there because of the multitude. Boy, just wow, who's who has showed up. What if they're going to come? Why ain't you going to come? I mean, we ought to all just go. I mean, let's just all jump in there together, man. I mean, you know, we just might as well just get with the crowd. That is that that being played up, this whole world knows what strings to play. Yes, sir. Listen to your news media; They're playing you up. Yes, Pulling on your sympathies and, and trying, to, trying to get, to, get you influenced in certain directions and thinking in certain ways. Yes. Playing you up. Yes, sir. By the multitudes. But not only that, playing you up with the music. <laughs> somebody said we'll treat you so many ways you'll have to like one of them they had so many instruments down there you bound to like one of them now I like the instruments we've got here I like the ones that they've been used for the Lord but who knows what kind of music come out of that outfit I'd have hated to have been there that day to hear that but how impressive I guarantee you they had the best of the best there that day a psalm tree, a, a flute, a cornet, a harp, a sacrament. and some of them I don't even know what they are. Dulcimer, I know that one, and all these instruments. <laughs> Ta-da! Listen as they hit it. Ooh, it just pulls upon your spirit and your emotion. It just kind of makes you want to go down to the idols of this old world and kind of give your heart while everybody else is to that which is being set up and made up and played up, how it pulls upon your sentiments and and how it pulls upon your feelings and sucks you in. You know, if there's any one thing that I fear in the ministry, it is emotion. I know emotion's part of it, and thank God, because I feel what I've got. But I've been in places to where I, when I got when the service is over, I wondered if God did it or if somebody else did it. Where did this spirit come from? We need to be careful and let the Holy Ghost do the stirring on the heart. Because it ain't going to last. <laughs> this old crowd, one minute's gone. Oh Listen, listen, listen oh! About our God oh, and then 20 verses later then everything's changed that's how quick this whole world will just throw you around and toss you around I'm talking about everything in society is being made up and it's being set up and it's being played up it certainly is but I'm glad to report to you that God's still in this world and the Lord's still in this world and He's got one purpose in mind. He's here to mess it up. <laughs> yes, sir. Just when the devil thinks He's got it set up, made up, and prayed up, God will come along and mess it up. <laughs> they didn't plan for what was going to happen here on this day. But a mess, surely, uh, took place and it got out of hand. It got messed up, first of all, when the saints stood up. Three old boys couldn't get in the Spirit. Somehow, they just couldn't join in. And when everybody went down, they stood erect. right. They said, we don't feel nothing. We ain't seen nothing and we're not impressed at all. The rest of that crowd that's always talking about freedom and liberty and let everybody have their own rights got to complaining about them three boys because they wouldn't jump on the man wagon So they went to mealy-mouthing and they said, King, King, we hate to interrupt the service. It's going so good. But it's a killing us. It's a eating us on the inside. Did you know that you got three men that's on your cabinet of advisory that they ain't worshiping? They don't even look like when they start playing that music, they just got sour faces. They don't look like they're in it at all. They they won't even bow their heads. They just look up as if they're talking to someone in the sky and we're, we're upset. And the king said, you, <laughs> you mean to tell me Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego ain't a worshiping He said, no, king, they ain't. I mean, That I mean we've been doing this all day. They won't do it. <laughs> he called them together. He got them there, and he, he propositioned them. He said, I, I want to make a deal with you. And they said, O king, we'd rather that our flesh sizzle than our faith fizzle. They said, O Neb, the time is over to, as far as talking is concerned. There's no debate, there's no discussion, there's no deliberation. Read my lips. We may burn, but we will not bend, and we will not bow. We refuse to get me in. And boy, how it messed up that service when they stood up in testimony and said, "No way." I'm glad there's still a few old saints across the country. I said to the pastor every, the other day, the "Thing that thrills my soul is." going across this country and at the end of the service inevitably somebody will come out and shake hands with me, and the Lord will say that's me right there I'm in that heart big time oh the flavor and how rich it is to know that there's still some saints across the country that are keeping this thing messed up <laughs> we just ain't letting them oh I'm going to tell you there's some folks in this so world and in this country that would love to see the saints take or not religion, but they love to see the saints taken out of the picture so they could have it their way. But God's left us here to mess it up. Cry out and say, I refuse to be stood up. I refuse to be made up. I refuse to be played up. I'm gonna mess it up. God was a messing up the party. Messing it up big time. So the king said, okay, if you're going to mess this thing up with all your uh, testifying and so on and you won't bow and everything, then we're going to throw you in the fire. We're going to put you on trial. We're going to cause you to, to burn. I'm reminded where the scripture said, no weapon formed against thee shall prosper. Throwed them in the fire and the fire brought freedom. Television. The only thing it did was it burned the ropes off from them. They didn't even come out with the smell of smoke on them. Amen. You know how you can tell when somebody's really went through a trial for the Lord? Is you can't hardly tell it unless somebody else told you. Right. you no but them, them folks come around and you, you can smell smoke all the time. they probably just been smoking. It ain't... <laughs> It's not, it's not a trial. It's nothing they've been through. I mean, if they want you to know what they've been through and how tough it's been on the job and who all's been against them and who all they're in, they just have problems is all the problem. That's it. But honey, these old boys have been down the fire. When they come out of the fire, you couldn't even smell the smoke on them. Well, things are really getting out of hand now. The king thought he could he, he could get control of this thing. We're going to bring this thing back in hand. We're going to get rid of this crowd, and then we're going on with our service. What's been made up and set up and prayed up? We got to hurry on with this thing. I don't want to tell you, it got even worse. It got it got messed up, and then it got mixed up. And the old king sat down and said, well, I guess we're about ready now for our service to start. Now we got rid of them boys over there. Them boys over there. Did we throw three in there? He said, oh, king, we did throw. These. He said, well, there's something wrong. <laughs> if I'm counting right. There's a fourth one in there, but he wasn't the fourth one. He's the first one. <laughs> he's there before they ever got there. He's just waiting on him. He'd have looked real good. He might have saw him before he ever thrown them in. Saved him a little trouble. <laughs> said, yes, old king. He said, if I'm a living, there's four in there. And said, one of them looks like one that Daniel's been telling me about son of God (laughs) and then things really got mixed up they started out with a service to dedicate a big idol that this old king had made up it was gonna be a real Big party. I mean, every, all the emphasis, all the music, all the gathering, all the people, everybody was going to speak and all that other thing, was going to talk about the symbolism of this God, the representation of Babylon and how wonderful it's going to be and it's going to last forever. Supposed to be about all that and all them big wheels that's up there. Well, it's strange how when God gets into things and messes them up, how it really get mixed up. Did you notice in our text? I got to reading that text over and over and over. You know who's talking more about in that text than anybody? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Can you imagine them old boys? I mean, the great counselors and governors and sheriffs and rulers and, and stuff. And when this when this thing's all over, this big service is all over. The biggest thing that's ever happened in Babylon till this time is all over, and they go back home to all their provinces. And the people that they represent get to talking to them, and they're even the wives say, "Well, how did it go? Tell us about how and went. What about that gold? How much did it weigh? And who all's going to be put here? And who all's going to be over this part of the government? How's things going to work out?" He said, "Well, you got me." He said, "I tell you, we went into that thing. It looked like it was running pretty smooth, and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego showed up." They said, who's that? And said, I was them boys that wouldn't bow. And then said, somebody went and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego won't bow. He's going to discuss how. I said, all we heard was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> it's amazing how in adverse situations God can take his people and promote them and lift them up in the impossible circumstances. Old Joseph down in the land of Egypt setting On the throne. And the Bible said he promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of (laughs) Bethlehem. That sounded to me like a a mixed up service. And he had this real, no doubt, this real postscript and this this real thing that he was going to no doubt read. It messed up, mixed up. And then, you know, you know, I don't know where Daniel's at here. Now, I don't have any. I don't have any thought in my mind that he was. He was uh, bowing out, or he was. He, you know, something. No. I don't know how it worked out. I guess maybe the king had sent him on an urgent matter. He didn't make it back in time. Of course, he probably would not sad about that. I mean. I don't think we ought to get upset because he wasn't in their fire because they wasn't in his lines then either. Now don't get all upset because everybody ain't going through what you're going through. They're going through something else and you ain't going through that either. So just let the Lord take care of those things. But I know that they, they had a, had a common, commonality as far as the Lord was concerned. And so when Daniel comes back from his trip, you know he got with his buddies and talked this thing over. He said, I'm seeing coming in there, coming in there. Boy, he's dreading to hear the news. Oh, how had things changed? I just can't imagine all all them fellas he's got over here for this big dedication. I'm sure he's promoted a bunch of them. I'm gonna to have to work with them. I may even lost my job. I may have to step down, and which is all right with me. And and, and you, my buddies over there, I know they didn't bat out. I knew how the thing was gonna be worked up anyhow, and I'm glad I didn't have to. And so he comes in, and I'm sure I'm I'm sure he did. He probably said, Shadrach, Miss shot and the bend to go, boys. I'm sorry, I had to leave you out on that one, but said." The, I hate team here, but how'd that service go? Oh, I can see all three of them getting up. You ought to been there. I said, ought I ought to have been there. What are you talking about? Oh, you wouldn't have believed how that thing started and then how it ended up. Said it started out, you know how we talked about it, all made up and set up and played up. But said, You wouldn't believe it, Daniel, but the Lord showed up. <laughs> Thank you. And when the Lord showed up, things really got messed up, mixed up. And said, we couldn't believe that when it was over with at the end of it. <laughs> said, oh Nebuchadnezzar even preached a little bit. He said, I've got to testify. Right in the middle of that service. Daniel said, Oh no, what did he say? So, oh, it was good. He said, Nebuchadnezzar got up there, and he's, I can see him wiping tears now. The old king said, <laughs> I've got to say something. They said, King, what do you want to say? I can, see old, I can see old Shadrach got his arm. So Go ahead, King, what do you got to say? <laughs> Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's got might. We ain't going to worship nobody else beside him. Blessed be the Lord. He said, Hallelujah, King. We're with you on that. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and He said, You know, when it was all over with, we got promoted. I'll tell you, folks, this world's got a method. It's got a plan. It's inevitable. Don't moan and groan about it. You don't think they want your Jesus, do you? They're not excited about that. The devil's only doing his own business. But the fact of the matter is, if you're a child of God, you don't need to get into, get into being made up and, and set up and played up, messed up, mixed up, and shut up. You just need to wait on Jesus till he shows up.